got me feeling a rush like I've never known Live from the apocalypse, they'll reboot everything but our dwindling water supply. Welcome to State of the Game. Yay. <laughs> My name is Dano. I love doing this every week, but I have to tell you, if somebody came to me and said, would you, I will give you a lifetime supply of cranberry juice to quit this thing. I would say, does my co-host get a lifetime supply as well? Yeah. And if they said yes, I'd be like, all good things come to an end. Looking I for the crew. Absolutely. Juice. I love cranberry juice. So uh, the, you just need to know that. Um, the My co-host joins me every week. There's something important nobody knows about him that I will divulge uh, right Oh. My co-host, Kay Diggy, is actually a group of kids who cast a magic spell to become a grown-up. It's heartwarming until the Amsterdam visit. We'll talk later. Um, but thank you, Kay, for being here. Uh, you love always, always a pleasure. Yep. Our guest. This is, this is an intro unlike any other. Our guest. If, if someone came to us, K-Diggy, with a gun, an old gun, a musket, if someone had a musket right a out, blunderbuss. Yeah, filled with powder and said, you've got to pick one guest that you've had who right now can save your life with a cover version of Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. <laughs> this is my pick. That's pressure, bro. <laughs> yeah. But I, I would do that for you. Maybe I'll record a cover and I'll send it to you and you can let me know whether you <laughs> save your life or not. Well, that that's good? the thing. Rich Jones from Chicago. You could totally record a cover of I Want to Dance with Somebody. Throw it in the middle of your next album and nobody would be like, that's weird. Everybody would be like, right on. That's that's, that's um. I, I, again, this feels kind of like a challenge accepted moment. <laughs> you know, we'll see. Maybe, maybe that's what happens. I'll, I'll uh, be a hidden I'll, track. I'll, yeah. <laughs> if, if, by, if by L we mean lawsuit, let's do this. Uh, I, I so far I haven't been sued in music yet, so um, why it's not? Co-produced by Green Slime and Solar Five. It would be, it would just yeah. Be <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll do. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll get something like kind of like a real down tempo, like minor yep. chord. You know. Yep. Uh yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, let me let me it's it this is actually epic timing cuz uh one of my friends who uh who uh has been touring with uh with a cover band uh like a very well-known cover band. He just quit that cover band. He's somebody I've kind of looked at as like a possible like kind of uh music director so to speak. So maybe I'll get him on the horn in our first jam session. I'll be like, "Do you want to cover Whitney Houston with me?" No, if it, if it was <laughs> see what he wants if it was with. like Slime and Solar 5, it would end up like the John Cale version of Heartbreak Hotel, <laughs> which is one of the great covers. Um, but sure. it's 
I'm, I'm so happy to have you on, and I'm so happy to have the right topic. Today, we are talking about problem solving, okay? Mm. Problem solving. And I, it, Smoke Detector is great. This is the new album you did, Rich, with Iceberg Theory. Thank it's you. great. And it is kind of a beautiful lesson in problem solving. It's I every time I hear yeah. it, it reminds me of that. Why now I'm curious, what what about the album to you? Like what what problems do you think are being solved or what what's being desired as the as an outcome from from you know a problem that someone may have? So and I, your, I brought this opinion. up I brought this up to you while you were making music. We were talking and I was like, you've got like kind of too many high level skills, right? Mm. There are mm. some rappers that are like singing, but we don't like it. We'll take it, but we don't like it, right? We're, we're like, okay, yeah, thanks. But like, you are a really high-level rapper and a really high-level singer. Thank and you. when you've got to balance those, it, and you've it, got, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, you've got a diverse background in what music you like. You've got a lot to showcase, if that makes sense. For sure. Well, I think as it pertains to Smoke Detector, it, it's... It's interesting because I feel like I think we first came in tune because of how do you sleep at night and mm. the the rules that I gave myself for that project were this is a rap project. Obviously, there was some singing on there, but it was like, no, nah, like we're making it. We're making a hip hop project and like, let's kind of play it as straight as we can. <clears throat> and if there's a hook that needs to be in there, let's figure out how to keep it simple, but but good. And then Blue Beach is a bit more experimental i feel like the first two songs and the last two songs are kind of side a side b almost where one's part more rappy the other part's a bit more out there so you know there's a divide and you're kind of getting a taste of each whereas i think with this album i i think it was a culmination of those two previous i, I look at them as all as very much like related and part of almost like a like almost like a semi-trilogy i know there's an ep in the mix so it's kind of tough to you know say that that's part two necessarily but um right. you know i think in terms of like choosing sounds or thinking about how i wanted to approach this i really just think you know both of those projects gave me so much confidence in both ends of the spectrum for me that at that point it just comes down to balance like can i can i find the right mix and blend and also thinking about like what's tasteful in either direction you know certain things needed more than others and you know or needed certain things more than others so i, I think um yeah at a certain point it, it became how do we balance out some of the weirder leanings and still make it listenable because i you know i'm not necessarily have trying to have it be such a simple listen that oh okay i get it you know i, I think there's a lot of stuff hidden and, and worked into there that i think people are going to be finding if they if they give this a lot of repeat listens totally mm. totally no it's and i think well, i, I for like i think i i didn't really understand the Montana Max uh, Sleep at Night album until COVID hit and I was watching your empty, like, empty venue performance a lot. <laughs> I was watching it a lot and I was like, man, there's like, I feel like you mastered those precious moments where they're like tender moments Yeah, in the album. There's still rap, there's still themes, there's still a lot discussed, but it's it's in this, it's almost a lullaby. 
you know interesting okay mm. all right i i uh, that that makes that tracks <laughs> and so you just like you put that in the chamber and then you're like now i want to rap and you and you started rapping and kind of but you had that in the chamber i had that in your back pocket and you use that and you've kind of developed from there outwardly to different yeah. chambers does that make sense totally i think at this point it's just finding a way to emotionally gut punch people you know blending with either it could be from something that's spoken very candidly and pointedly or it could be something that's said beautifully or flowed beautifully you know i i feel like we talked about this last time and I'll, I'll say it a million times over if i have to i still am mad that post malone said you can't make emotional hip-hop music like that's the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. biggest lie fucking of all you know it's just ridiculous like right. i i feel like in some ways some of the stuff i've made is like it's kind of like a big fuck you to him in terms of like <laughs> oh oh you oh you oh we can't do that well let, let me show you how you could do it without being a fucking cornball or without doing some like logic level bullshit you know it, it's just like there's a way to for this to be done tastefully and honestly and earnestly and here it is you know um so yeah for sure yeah, I think the reason I've never had like a bad feeling about Post Malone is because it's very clear, even from that statement, that he hates his job way yeah, more yeah. than we hate his job. Like he's he hates it. You can see it when he, like when they bring him out on a big event, he performs, he's terrible, he hates it. he just hates it. Like he wants to be free of his job, like, but it pays too much. You know, I mean, I, yeah, the, the money, the money's good. And, you know, I think certain people, I guess it depends what they're doing it for a guy like that. I mean, you want to give up access to like the quote unquote best of the best music wise. Like, I don't I don't think he does. You know, no. I think that's that's one thing I would say as I as I, you know, am continuing my journey in this. Like, I think a thing that keeps me coming back is I want to work with the best of the best too. Trump to my definition of that. And I think like, yeah, locally. And, you know, outside of Chicago, I'm starting to get there. I'm starting to, to kind of get out of the nest a bit and do that. But it's going to be people I know. Like, I, I can rattle off a bunch of artists that I love. And a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I've never heard of them. It's like, yeah, I'm sure you haven't. But, like, to me, they're just as important as, like, you know, everyone, you know, these other artists that other people might put on a pedestal. So again, this is this is the very subjective nature of this shit is, like, the people that we root for and the people that we're, like, pumped about are definitely not going to... It's not going to be perfect for every single person in terms of a, a match or a fit, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, okay. Do you... What did you think of Smoke Detector when you when you heard it? I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I think to go back to the problem-solving theme, you know, there is... There is a, a conscious balance of the singing and rapping elements. Um, I thought that there were a lot of, I guess, I, I think the word I wrote down were surprises. There were a yes. lot of things that happened, and, you know, musically, uh, beat-wise, even some rapping-wise, that would happen and I wouldn't be expecting it. Yep. Uh, so it kind of kept, kept me on my toes a little bit. What were some surprises? Like I think of blankets. Uh, like I think you have blankets. So track six with Yomi, Curly Castros, Samira Truth, and Reno Samira, Samira Truth. Samira Truth. Samira Truth. There was like a mandolin that came in. Yeah. At, uh, the, at, at the end of it. So well, Yomi. Yeah, Yomi is playing harp, and then uh, Reno Cruz. Uh, he busts in with the uh, uh, with the guitar. Uh, for like an outro and like 
and the way they will see it. So she's got a harp and then he kind of the way his section comes in, it almost comes in like a slide guitar, which I was super pumped about. Um, <laughs> like that, that whole song is, is a, you want to talk about surprises. The original version of that song was like two, two and a half minutes. And I played it for my one friend. And I was <laughs> like, I hear a song where it's really simple and I get Castro's because he was the only, I think, person I had, I think, confirmed on that. And, um, and then it, it just kind of worked out where both him and Samira wanted on this. And then, you know, my, my, I played it for my one friend. He was just like, dude, like, there's a crazier song. If you want it, you should think about it. And so I was like, okay, fuck it. Let's go. Like, what's yeah. my version of like maggot brain if I could do that or something, you know? So that's awesome. Um, and that, you know, and, and, obviously the last few projects have been a really great learning experience on like mixing my own shit and mixing other people's vocals. This is my first time mixing instruments and like learning how to like get those to kind of sit well amongst everything. So yeah, that, that song was a big surprise for me too, just in terms of like, wow, I, I guess I can do this now. Um, but um, I think was, was the, the, I think the thing I, I liked best about that and where it sits is that um, I don't know if you looked at the track listing, but it's listed as side A and side B. And it's meant to kind of be a mid-album finale of sorts. Oh, uh, okay. Have, that makes know, that, sense. That, that's why it kind of goes big and isn't afraid of, like, rushing. Because in my mind, if you're listening to this on tape or on vinyl, um, or even in your actual life, you can just hit pause. And then and then Dream Life is like, okay, we're getting back to our seats. We got our popcorn. We're getting ready to, you know, part mm. two is, is in effect. And, and Dream Life is also the most fantastical because it's like, it's not real. The song... I wrote that towards the end of the album when I was was working on stuff and I'd scraped almost everything I could about my experiences in Chicago to date. And I was like, well, fuck like this. This just feels like I'm just like jubilant and I'm somewhere totally different. So what's the theme? What's the vibe? And honestly, like, you know, the, the big question became if I could be anywhere in the world or moment in my life, where would I be right now, given everything? And I was like, well, shit, I want to be back in Italy on the beach in 2019 with my two buddies just chilling and like there there's not much worry you know and it's kind of like the end of this vacation so like that's that's what the that's what the verse is about it's kind of like the money being short and you're kind of tired but you're feeling good and then the end you know it's it's the first song i wrote where it's like basically all a verse and then just ends on like a, a power hook of sorts to kind of bring it all home and you know is is honest because like I, I think when i was doing this it was like january or like early February in Chicago and it's just cold <laughs> as fuck and I'm working right. out on my friend's studio where you can't smoke weed in the studio so I'm like cutting out to his his fire escape to like take a couple of hits of, of a joint or something and it's just too fucking cold so I'm like all right back inside you know and so I'm like take mm. me back for real because like this isn't gonna work um so yeah just in, in terms of like album organization and stuff like that that's kind of how I planned that out so I'm, I'm glad you thought blankets was a surprise and that that was kind of the thinking of like how I wanted to set it up is like, let's, let's give someone a really big potent moment. And then, you know, starts, start off with a more easy kind of vibe. Yeah. Okay. Part B that isn't real. Again, it's fantasy. Cause I think right. one thing I want to, I don't know if I've made this clear enough in terms of some of the other conversations I've had, like I wrote or conceptualized most of this album while driving around Chicago and um, really just listening to the beats over and over and over again until it was just like, all right, I'm ready to do this one today. Or maybe I'm ready to do this one today. It was, and it wasn't really a rushed thing other than like, I'd try to have at least one or two new things to iceberg like once a month, if that, and just, I wanted to, to feel it all. So it's kind of like, um, you know, kind of like 
like Travis Bickle meets the dude sort of in, in terms of right. the energy, <laughs> minus me wanting to kill a presidential candidate. Um, you know, but yep. yeah, it, it's just it, it's dark. It's it's super dark, and so I I think like um in terms of the universe that that's in, you know, it's it's something where um I'm I'm kind of pooling from kind of the the beauty and and the the madness of of where I'm from and all the things I see because you know for my gig I cruise the whole city I see everywhere it's not like I'm just in my little loop of of like the Logan Square Humble Park area nah I'm gonna cover it from end to end and I'm gonna see everything even if it's just snapshots of what's happening and that's a certain totality that's like fucking great and awesome to experience but uh, you know you don't know what you're gonna see on any given day either especially if you know depending you know things can happen anywhere but you know there's certain things i wish i could unsee there's things i I wouldn't trade anything in the world to to give back you know what i mean um yeah no it's you know yeah so i i I, sorry i just um so i i guess i make this point specifically because at the end of dream life part of the reason 600 paid comes in as hard as it does is because it's meant to be like a snap of the fingers and we're brought back to reality and we're in the middle of humble park and there's like you know two feet of snow and it's like that gray slushy like the the trucks have been out snow and it's not nice and it's not pretty and it's just you know we we had our moment of of the mind to go elsewhere but now now we're back in it and it's just you got to make it you know it's to to the the victory is making it to the next day kind of thing you know um 100 yeah amen no it's and i think i'm glad you brought that i was about to bring because that is to be the biggest change is going from dream life to 600 paid um yeah but it is uh it's really important and and i think it's when we're talking about problem solving like what is the problem we're solving well art is the problem we're solving because art never ends up where you want it to be it's the opposite of math right you you have a thesis and your thesis by the end goes away right um, or or yeah or or you pull back the mold and hope that it it came out the way you wanted it you know um which, it mutates it yeah. mutates into something new sure yeah. which i i think in this case like in terms of like w- pulling the mold and and looking upon my creation or our creation in this moment um i think i think i don't really know if there's much i could have done differently i i think we did exactly what i what we came here to do with this project and i as a writer you know, I, I was, as I say, I was pretty well tapped by the end. So to get those last few things out of me took, took really just being by myself in a room by myself without any distractions. And then I was able to like pull it out, but yeah, it, it definitely, I'd say if we're going to talk about the problems of this album, we're just like, you know, especially cause I chose so many beats all at once to kind of check out. It's like, okay, like what do we prioritize in terms of getting done? And then from there, you know, it's like, what am I hearing here? Because it's it's in, in my mind, it was never going to be an album of just me. I'm going to look for opportunities to, to, you know, who else do I hear here? What instruments do I possibly hear? here? You know, kind of being able to start taking those risks and chances by reaching out for collaboration and seeing who's down and or, or vice versa. You know, in, in this case, I got really lucky that Castro reached out to me and was like, dude, I'd, I'd love to do something. If you have something, let me know. And I'm just like, well, fuck. Yeah, that's amazing. Let's go. <laughs> awesome. Here, you know, let me know which beats you want to, you know, you're messing with and we can whittle it down to one. And, you know, he just happens to choose blankets and and then here we are, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, I think, um, yeah. So I, I, I'd say the, the main thing was just maintaining tone throughout, especially over the course of a year of kind of putting this together. And then from there, 
um, you know, looking into the design side of it and figuring out how I want to present this. How do I want to promote this? Because like, I don't know, I, I, on the digital, it's, it's just a single piece of art. But if you go on Bandcamp, every single song has, um, has a cover for it. And that was like a fun project that I, I wow. did for myself where I was like, I want to, you know, first off, again, I'm driving all over the city. I'm taking pictures of all sorts of crazy shit. Or I, I had friends that were taking some cool photos. And so I, I you know, I, I, you know, paid them to, to use their image for, for something. And, um, you know, that said, you know, it really became this kind of task I could provide myself for the days or moments where I didn't feel like writing anything new it's like okay but we could still move forward in terms of how we're going to present this to other people and and uh, excuse me um so luckily um that was really a fun i guess problem i gave myself or kind of like job i gave myself that i i, I really took to because then you start thinking about like you know just you know different ways of of both streamlining the process but then also allowing for human error to kind of define this is like a human made project, you know, like certain, maybe I didn't get the tint just right from one thing to the other. And it's like, I don't care, you know? And, and in my mind, a lot of what I was going for image wise was like based off of like paperback novels or bit like VHS cassette covers that like I'd see as a kid growing up and, you know, especially like the paperback books, if you're like right, talking like, right. you know, um, mm. like either like dime store, like detective things or like sci-fi, you know, whatever the case, just something that would, would seem like it has been sitting on, on your aunt's coffee table for 20 <laughs> years and in the sun directly, you know, right, and, right. and whatever the original tones were, it's, it's shifted. So I, yeah. you know, I, I, I allowed myself the freedom to not be a stickler in certain ways, but then obviously, you know, being very on point in others because I, I wanted to make sure there was a, a through thread for everything. The three words that I think you said that are most important is maintaining tone throughout, right? Yeah. And one of the things I noticed, Kay, on this, listen to the first lines of these songs. Like, the first line of Chili is like, you know, brings you right to it. This is a chilly Chicago day and we're here. Uh, Rich, the first line of Tuna Belt. Can you can you give us the first line of tuna melt? Um, uh, do you want to have uh, Do you want to have the tuna melt I left in the car? It's parked a block. Uh, it's parked a block away. Hey, it ain't that far. You say you're hungry. You say you're hungry. Well, let's see how hungry you are. It's something like that. <laughs> um, and that 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 one specifically, like I, I had a lot of people like push back on that. They're like, I think that's stupid. I I don't know what you're doing with that. And I said, quite simply. Does the concept of eating a tuna melt that's been sitting in a car sound appetizing to you? And they're like, no. I said, okay. Well, then the reason I'm putting it like this is like, and it, to me, it was a very specific rebuttal, uh, or I guess kind of framing of how I, I think we as as people on this planet and you know, as citizens of this country have really been left in in you know just to kind of fend for ourselves and any help that has been put our way in a lot of respects in the grand scheme has been like a tuna melt that's been sitting in your car like I, it's it's like you'll eat it and you're gonna maybe feel kind of gross and not so good maybe even get sick but it, you know we gave you something though and and so you know maybe i was trying to be too cute or too you know something with that but it, it felt fitting in the moment and um if i can make davis laugh with with something then i i feel like i'm generally <laughs> onto something and um so that was that was fun especially like with with that you know i i really i felt like every song on this on this album kind of felt like it was like a chapter in a movie and for that one that one kind of feels like you know you're kind of 
it's like Jackie Brown esque. Like I just saw like shelves of cassette tapes and like, you know, like maybe like pawn shop gold chains and like you're in like a beater car smoking a spliff, you know, and you're getting a sense of the universe that you're in, you know, more fully after the introduction song of Chili. Cause Chili almost feel like almost like comes in like the helicopter crane shot or something yeah. of like an overview of a city or, or kind of like of the universe you're entering. And then you get street level with Tuna Mount where it's like, nah, we're in it. You know what I mean? And and then it kind of goes from there. Yeah. 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 I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you, so what, you know, well, it's a two part question. Like what were some of your inspirations for Smoke Detector? And then two, what was the aesthetic, the musical aesthetic that you were aiming for, for the, for the album? Um, I mean, inspiration wise, a lot of it mainly just comes back to movies and just watching a lot of movies. I, I don't really feel like I was like studying up on other writers or MCs really as much. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's just like finding different veins of, of cinema that I like and thinking about ways of, of weaving in certain energies into the project. And are there any movies in particular that you yeah. can recall that? I mean, it's 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 a lot of movies that like are, do a really good job of like universe building. So if you're in if you're watching that movie, I feel like you're in that universe. That's that's kind of something the way I term it. So I feel like um, like Boogie Nights, Apocalypse <laughs> Now, Dog Day Afternoon, um, uh, Taxi Driver, you know, uh, a Big Lebowski, things like movies like that in a way, because you need some levity. It can't all be fucking, right. you know, come on the back of taxi cab seats and, and shooting pimps. <laughs> Um, you know, so it's, it's something I, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know those, those sorts of loner type characters are like, you know, people that are out here, you know, trying to get it while also dealing with all the fucked up shit in that universe, um, and still finding a way to, to survive and whatnot or, or find joy or, you know, again, it's sometimes just getting to the very next day. I, I thought those were all super inspirational in that, in that sense. And I, I think, especially because I'd spent and do spend so much time by myself in the car. You know, there's just a lot of self dialogue, I guess, in those moments or, you know, <laughs> kind of just like talking to yourself or, or just whether it's in your head or something you say out loud, it's, um, I don't know. I saw, I felt a lot of kindred energy in that, especially as you start to wonder day in and day out when you don't have consistent feedback of like a coworker or someone that you're like in a space with every day that like, isn't say your lover or your, your parent or something. It's like, like, who the fuck even am I? You just, you just feel kind of especially out here and kind of, I, I don't know. Yeah. It just, it just, it, sometimes it's a big question mark. Uh, luckily, um, I think this project allowed me to kind of exercise that question. I, I think, you know, I, I came out the other side of this, um, in in much better shape both professionally and personally so i i think whatever whatever i was i was missing i i have a bigger sense of the picture now so i'm very grateful for the experience and i don't want to call it like a, something as simple as like music therapy because i think that would be doing a disservice to it. it wasn't like that concerted of an effort in that sense but i think in finding a way to like express myself and um kind of just express the energy of this time and find other voices that can share in that expression. I think that was, yep. you know, that was, this is about as good a job as I can do right now <laughs> in doing that. Um, you know, I, I think if anything, it, the album, the thing, one of the things I'm proudest most of this album, I'm most proud of this album is, 
you know, in the selection of my co-features and in bringing in these other characters into this universe. The characters just happen to be people that I love or my or new friends or old friends or whatever, but it doesn't matter. You're getting a sense of like the folks that could be around me in this moment, um, mm-hmm. you know, casually or otherwise. And so like, I think um, from a from a executive producer's kind of standpoint, I, I give myself a big pat on the back because I, I don't think I had a miss in terms of like, oh, I think this person's voice will sound good. And then like, like I, did, I didn't have to go back to anybody and be like, can I get a redo? You know, um, right. I, I've over the years over the found years. gentler ways to do that versus maybe in my younger times, I would have been a bit more. I, I don't ever want to be an asshole to people, but I'm sure there were people I, I could have been gentler with. And so I, I, I took great pains if there was a correction or something i needed differently which again i didn't need it this time so it was fine but it was just like okay this is all flowed super well um so uh yeah i don't know i i guess from from a standpoint of like beat selection and then vocalist selection and merging those two things together i had a really good time doing that and you know who knows maybe maybe as if as i'm i'm not like on a break right now but you know, helping other people figure out those questions. And again, to the topic of problem solving, I'm here. If you're listening and you're watching this and you want to, you want to figure, you know, you're a producer and, and you want some vocalists that you think it sound good, call me. I'll, we'll have a talk. I, I could make some suggestions. Cause that's the one thing I think my, my life is, you know, it's, it's not always by design. It's also by circumstance. And I think for me, I'm a crossroads individual. I connect a lot of different people from different spectrums of, of music or art or, or kind of anything. And so like for MCs that don't know any producers, I'm kind of like a good person to know. Cause I know many producers for producers that don't know many, that don't know many MCs. I know many MCs. I'm a great person for that. So I think like that's something as I get older, especially, and as I, I kind of, I don't know, transition to whatever the hell the next thing is for me. I, I would love the opportunity to start building projects or helping people build their projects. Um, and, and, you know, obviously it's, it's on their terms is what they want to do with it, but it's definitely, you know, I, I think I proved that I'm really good at that with this one and I'd love it, the opportunity to do it for other people. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's the, like the problem solving is almost like, the chessboard on top of the chessboard on top of the chessboard where you're playing three different games of chess at once. Like mm. you end up becoming the player, the coach, the general manager, and the owner. Right. We talked like talked about this with like somebody like Billy Woods, right. Who's like rapping seriously about what he's doing, but it's also like, do I have the cover art? <laughs> you know, is, are my guests right? And it's like masterminding it at the same time. Yeah. But it's, it's funny you bring up the player coach analogy because like I had a family member ask me the other day, so are you moving more into the business side of things? Is that where you're at? And I said, not really. No, I, because I'm capable of doing that doesn't mean that's all I want to do. You know, um, obviously right. my 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 play is more on the marketing side and kind of in, in, in that world in terms of like an outside of making records way that I could be of help to somebody. But um, yeah, it's definitely, I don't know. I, it's funny because every, every performance I've booked this year has been canceled. So I haven't done a single show this year. I'm actually kind of like, I I'm a little, I'm not, I'm not scared. You know, I, it's (laughs) one of those things where it's like, it's kind of like this monolithic thing now where it's like, fuck man, like, I haven't done it. And I, so I'm, I'm supposed to play this show on Saturday. Right. And I'm very excited for it. It's going to be super easy. It's going to be like three songs. Um, I'm a feature, you know, super, super chill. But I, I bring this up to say 
when we talk about someone being a player, I think as a performer, it's something that I have gotten good at. And I look forward to like finding out what that means for me to get like scary good at. I think right now I'm scary good at recording records and writing songs and getting right. that done in a timely fashion. And so that's the type of player I am. I'm a studio creature at this moment. <laughs> and I think my next ambition is how do I take the studio creature ethos and the, the way that I can kind of bump back and forth and then become that for a live show as well. Cause that's the other thing, man. Like I, I think in a really bad way, I've been to too many shows. I'm, I like, Ooh. I'm like the worst audience member you could possibly have if I'm not like locked in. Cause otherwise I'm, I'm just going to be like, I, I'm going to nitpick everything in my head. And I feel like such an asshole. I'm such a miserable person. Sometimes it shows. And I feel terribly about it, especially when I know people are killing it. It's just like, I, 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 it, I've seen too much. I've been to too much. I, I burnt myself out at some point between 2009 to 2019 to the point where it's yeah. just like, I, it, it's to, to, I, I, I'll put it to you like this. I think the things that are going to catch my attention. And I think more of us need to think about when it comes to this is I think we need to be more intentional with what a show even fucking is. Because yes. at this point, if we're going to ask people to stand around us with their hands in their pockets as an experience and for them to probably be sort of paying attention, but not really, I don't want that. I don't give a shit about that anymore. I played that show so many times and, and I'll probably play it again. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not going to stick my nose up in the air because half this shit again is about being around people about, you know, sharing in this. And I'm out of practice with that. You know, I, right. I miss being around other MCs. I miss being around like other movers and shakers in this shit because that's a fun energy to create around and then to kind of get your performance cues from and whatnot. I guess I would say, and I know this is my goal is I want to start being more conscious about the, basically the bad, the bad, you know, on some Sun Tzu shit. What's the battle? I'm choosing my battlefield for this. I'm going to set up this environment so that the audience is going to get the experience that I really want for them. And they're going to also accept that that's the experience they're getting. They're not going to be on their phone. They're not going to be, you know, distracted by X, Y, Z. It's, it's going to be something where you are here for a reason. And I don't feel like people have come back to that, especially we were in our homes for so many years. So like everyone kind of yeah. feels like you're still in your house. So I'm surprised that, there's as many people that aren't still wearing pajamas that I see out in the world, frankly, you know? So it's like, I, you know, I, 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 you know, who knows, maybe, maybe I'll learn to chill out and it'll, it'll be fun again. But I, I would just say like, I, I know for me, I want to create something where you showed up to this show because you're here for the show. You're not going to be thinking about what's on Twitter or what's on TikTok or anything. No, like this is the thing, this is the event and thinking about what steps need to be taken so that someone buys into that conceit so that someone you know is willing to buy into that this is my evening and it's being curated by this person and i'm not right, thinking right, right. about any other bullshit mm. totally no yeah, sorry, sorry yeah sorry sorry to get kind of intense about it it's just been preoccupying me so <laughs> it, we need to be you need, we need to be able to shift gears into different kind of performances and hip-hop's had problems with that uh, since the infrastructure dropped out of it but you, you know you know who what isn't bad at live performing and who's amazing and who's been on your show before is you baby oh my gosh oh you baby love you baby <laughs> yeah that that's uh that that was a show i saw recently and that was just like just watching people fall in love with them was amazing or uh, my friends orishan they're a, they're a two-piece rock band i saw them perform with my friend justice hill last week you know they, look they, i i there's sometimes I can I can turn my brain off and just enjoy what my friends are doing. And that's that's, that's awesome. Great. But, um, yeah. you know, it's I would just say for the most part, 
if we can if we can figure out a way to evolve what our expectations are ourselves and then have the audience do the same i think we'll be in a much more exciting place absolutely okay let's get to these three albums and get to some problem solving Mm. right okay we can't beat around the bush the elephant in the room drill music in zion lupe fiasco um and how so this is an album that is since it dropped honestly i think it's gotten more attention than than kendrick's album definitely Mm. Mm -hmm. i think i think it's and i think it's i think i understand why a little bit i think it and so first of all let me pitch what i think is the problem that he's solving right okay so lupe i learned a lot listening to lupe right lupe taught me a lot because i remember there was a point in listening to lupe where i was saying he's great at hooks his flow's great he's a great beat picker but i hate this album why right what is wrong with me right and i started to to understand like oh there's a likability quotient that has to be factored in here right you when you're listening to a rap album you're spending a lot of time with a person and if the person's kind of an a-hole or treating you like an a-hole you don't want to stay with them so there were periods of of lupe's career where i didn't want to hang out with but there were periods where, where I was like, you're, you're getting better here. The problem is Lupe is an overthinker to the maximum, right? Uh, and I think by putting himself within the three-day recording process with good supporters, he tried to whittle that down. It's still 41 minutes long, but it's 10 songs. Right. So it's just it's less crazy concept songs that don't go anywhere. It's less of all that stuff. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, because I mean, anytime you listen to Lupe, you're going to have to exert some intellectual energy. Uh, so, I mean, if, if it's over, you know, if it's over an hour of it, you, you're just going to get tired. And then by the end, you're like, oh, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to do that again, but that, that was good, but I don't know. Like, it's a little bit too much for me. I think the 41 minutes, I think the 10 songs, it, it gives you just enough where you can, you can hear it and then go back to it and really kind of digest it, if, if that's what you'd like to do. Yep, and uh, is Naima... The, the 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 name of the person who does all the hooks. Uh, let me see. I know it starts with an end. It it is not Naira, Naira. Amazing. Does an amazing job. I think. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah the Scotty Pippen of this situation. <laughs> so, how did you take it, Rich? How was uh how was the experience? Honestly, this I. Because I, I know when when you first sent over the the list of things we we're going to talk about, I said you know this is, I I you know I was prepared to to be not savage, but I I was really prepared to not like this. And I think before I go into this, I want to go back in time 
to when the song Beautiful Girls with Bruno Mars and B.O.B. came out. Because <laughs> around that time, I remember it was on Hip Hop DX or one of those websites, the version with Lupe Fiasco leaked. So it was going to be Lupe and not B.O.B. on that song. And I'll never forget how sad I felt listening to his demo on that song because the Lupe fiasco that I fell in love with in 2006 would have skated on that shit like three times over and it would have been a massacre and it would have been great. The person I heard on that record sounded like the guy who had sold shit tons of albums and Atlantic still wasn't going to trust. So I think, you know, this is, we're talking about someone who I think, you know, whether they're an overthinker or not, I definitely think their confidence in being able to make the things that they want to make was was shook and pretty hard. And I think that the music that they've made in the aftermath of, of that moment has reflected that. And, I, you know, I haven't been in tune really with with much of what he's done. It's all respect. It's all love. Look, I was there in 2006 when he was at the Metro and he did, you know, kick push literally six times in a row like it was a moment. Yeah, you know, I was wow. on fucking crutches and I'm fucking like rocking. You know what I mean? Like it was it was a beautiful thing. You know, here's this guy, you know, he has this hit song. I'll never forget. I was in the car with my dad that summer when that song was on the radio and there was like some big skateboard meetup in downtown Chicago. And so you're on Lakeshore Drive and it's just like the inner drive. Um, uh, I'm sorry, like uh, the, the bike path on along the lakefront is just packed with skateboarders, just like all skating in the same direction. So to, to be hearing that song while seeing that's a beautiful moment. But but I digress. So to, to then bring it to this thing, I feel like this album, you know, especially with with the way he describes how he did it. I think this just seems like it, it's the best he sounded in terms of his beat selection. It's the healthiest he sounded in terms of his flow and him believing in the energy, what he has to say. I think like he was getting bogged down, I think, in in some of his writing, I feel like in recent years. And with this one, I feel like this is the most balanced Lupe project I've heard in over a decade. And I'm really happy if, if this means he's back or is going to be making more things like this, then fucking awesome, because like. He's a world-class talent when he's on. And I just think like, the, the, the industry, I think, kind of bore through him a little bit. And I, I don't think I, I think there were certain expectations placed on him early, too, that I mean, he I, I look, I'm going to say he didn't live up to it, but it doesn't mean that he's he's lost or that he's like, you know, not relevant. I mean, here we are talking about him like 15 years, 16 years later. And and it's, you know, that that says a lot about longevity at that point. And and so I, I don't know. I and, and again, he still also has two classic albums, I feel like under his belt too, or at least two albums that were very highly conceptualized and proved that he could execute an idea to like a very high degree. So, I, you know, you, you can't take none of that away from the guy. I, I just think like, no. um, as it as it shows on this album, I think like it had like the right amounts of bounce for certain records i think he yeah he was able to show a really nice mixture of sounds that i think are reflected of him especially because coming from chicago you know I'll, I'll say it a bunch of other people say you know we don't have a signature sound per se which means that we're exposed to a lot of different you know i guess strains of hip-hop you know you might have some more trunk rattler shit you might have something that's more sample based and kind of like on like a more old school boom bap tip but coming from that sort of background, we can appreciate all those different things. I, I won't speak for him in that, but hearing him at least be able to take uh, sounds that people are familiar 
uh, for, you know, him working with, and then also incorporate things that I think are more in his wheelhouse to maybe have a bit more like a, that base and that bounce and, and kind of, I, I think, allow him to connect more with, with I think the things that he kind of wanted to make all along instead of kind of the more like nerd hop kind of spot that I think he got unfairly pigeonholed into. Um, I think, yeah, this is, this is just fantastic in that sense. I mean, look, I, you know, no one, no one's going to bat a thousand with anything. And um, I think the, the only things that I think hit me on certain things was I think he could have, yeah, there's, there's certain things I would have done differently, but again, I'm just really happy to, to hear music from him where he sounds happy and where he just sounds very comfortable with where he's at. Um, because if we're getting more of this, then, then great. I will tune in again and again and again. And, you know, uh, that would, that, it's an exciting thing to think about. Yep. And, and to, to follow that point, Kay, I would say Carrera era, 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 <laughs> era, era. Well, uh, no, it, uh, no, it's the best Lupe in years. Right. And they were there. I had a reassessment of it because I think I had Lupe in my head as this person who was like, always trying to convince us that he was fancy, right? And Blacklemore, shout out to Blacklemore, came on and brought these inspirations. And one of them was The Cool. And we listened to The Cool again with a clear head years later. And I was like, his label couldn't sell the guy who made Superstar? Right? What? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Like Lupe yeah. was never Mr. Underground, too dense. This is an Aesop rock, big juicy hooks, right? Crazy fun flow. Like this is somebody who the label couldn't figure out how to sell them because they were bad at being a label. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Like, oh yeah. It this right now, this time is the best time for Lupe Fiasco. This is an audience that is used to like having intellectual discourse in big hooky songs, you know, go, go for it. I, I, I think he was a little bit ahead of his time. You're right. Yeah. If he was, if he, if the chord came out, let's say 10 years later, it would probably have been considered a modern day classic. I mean, he it probably would have been, I mean, he, it's not, he's not really doing anything different than Kendrick is in some, some senses, uh, obviously, but, in terms of you know creativity wise and conceptual wise and doing concepts for albums so he he was just a little bit ahead of his time in a way that wasn't beneficial to him i i that's the thing i i agree to a certain extent but i i don't know man he was he was doing some he was popping for a while i i i think like you know did he get to jay-z level did he get to kanye level no but like I, at least in Chicago, you know, I feel like for a city that it's really hard to get, you know, kind of a general mass understanding or appreciation for an artist. He accomplished that in Chicago. He was able to get the heads behind him. He was able to get normal fucking people behind him. And that's a rarity. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like the only people I feel like in my mind where that kind of applies from that time is like, like him or the cool kids. Like those are, are two acts from that time where it's like they were able to transcend and able to appeal to so many different types of people. Like, you know, I think Lupe might have been the first rapper I saw with a band that wasn't the roots. And it was like Lollapalooza. And like, because that's the thing. I, I saw a ton of Lupe shows randomly from like 2006 to like 2012. So I kind of got to see his evolution as a performer with like a DJ to a band for like 
the larger shows. And I, I remember at the time, and I'm I'm not a fan of live band hip hop for the record. Um, mm. but given the stage of of Lollapalooza, I'm like, this makes absolute sense that he would build out a live show for this that would match that. Um, so you know, I I don't know. I I think. I, you know, in terms of, of I, the way we look at him now, you know, yeah, maybe he missed his time for now. Maybe he could have been a bigger thing now, but I think he was still pretty fucking big for back yes. then, too. There's no denying um, that, right? Yeah. Like, the, Lupe's first four albums were gold while his label hated, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's pretty incredible. Uh, so there's no no denying on that. I mean, it, sure. it, the, to get critical on this album, right? There's a there's a little bit of a magic trick that Lupe does throughout this album that I, that is that grinds my gears just a little bit, right? And what he'll do is he'll start out and say, "You have, you know, a hypocritical aspect. You you love chains, jewelry. You love that materialistic stuff." And then he'll be like. I love chains, jewelry, that materialistic stuff. Sometimes, isn't that wild? We're contradicting at the same time. It's almost as if the human experience is contradiction. And he'll, he does this multiple times. The, the, I mean, I'm, the last song is an example of that too, where like rappers die too often. And then two bars later, he's shooting someone in the face. And then he's calling himself out for it. And it's this magic trick again. And on repeat listens, it's, uh, I'm not, it bothers me a little bit. Well, I, I think some of that, again, could be in a response to like what I said earlier about the pigeonholing of his stuff. I mean, like the first, the first feature I ever heard of his was on a mixtape by a group called White Chalk, which is like very thoroughly gangster rap. I bought it off a guy on Michigan Avenue who was selling mixtapes. And like, that's that's the first time you know I ever heard, and so those are the sorts of people he's running with. You know, he's not he's not you know running with the quells and the typical cats of the world and whatnot. Right. So I think that sort of duality for him in terms of like the way they wanted to market him, and I think where his mind was were very divergent. I mean, like you know he's able to hold his own on like a song with Bun B around this time. And I think and some people would look at that as a novelty, whereas for him, it's probably like he personally feels more at home on that sort of production and kind of doing those sorts of laps than, you know, doing something that's kind of more in like a Q-tip light kind of wave, you know? Right, right. Um, so, yeah, no, you know, it, I, yeah, there's a part of me that feels like Lupe spent a bunch of his career telling his audience that they don't understand what he's saying. And my problem is, if you've been a Lupe fan, as long as he's, you know, from whatever, 06 till now, you probably do get a lot of what he's saying. You're probably not lost. And you should probably get that respect. For sure. Well, I mean, I look, I, I say this as someone who thoroughly checked out the last decade. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I did not. I was not a, a, a good fan or or like a, a, a studious person in terms of like, oh, I need to at least like give this the respect. Listen, um, I, honestly, I blame the enemy of the state mixtape like that. That shit honestly like turned me off so thoroughly that I think I, I turned my back on him after sure. that. Um, that was in 2011. So, I you know, I, again, if, if this is if this is a return kind of a return to form 
or a new chapter where he's able to kind of have the freedom to do this stuff. Cause I mean, I, I, I didn't see, did he self-release this or is this through like an imprint of his own or whatever? Um, let me oh, see. I'm going to go to the, it is. I think oh, it's, it's on Bandcamp too. I think there's a Bandcamp. Okay. So it's technically a first and 15th release of some sort as, as alive as first and 15th may or may not be. Um, Good deal. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. yeah. Okay, so he is self-released basically then. Distributed by Thirty Tigers, which is legit. So, what's yeah. Thirty Tigers? I've never heard of them. They're like a distribution thing. They do a lot, a lot of music. They, they, they distribute a lot of important music. I've seen them all over. But it's, um, I would see. So, but but this is he's he's very free on this. It's for sure. This is fun to listen to because it's free. There are goofy moments, right? The Carrera era era, but Precious Things is so beautiful. You still get your kiosk, Miss, Miss Mural, you know, concept Man. songs. Ms. Ms. Mural made me smile. That sounded like, you know, I, I it's been a while since I've heard someone try to tell like a, uh, a narrative sort of hip hop song where I haven't like wanted to roll my eyes, you know, <laughs> to the back of my head and back. Right. Um, you know, and in this instance, it just was like, oh, yeah, it, it, it almost felt like old friend shit. I remember the person that could do this and they're still doing this and they're still doing this well. And they actually sound energized while they're doing it. It's, you know, yeah. I think it's it's, you know, they, they've mastered this trick and I think remastered it even to make it palatable for someone who's seen the trick before or heard the trick before. Um, so that, you know, that's that's cool to see. But um, yeah, man, Lupe, call me. Let's hang out. Let's eat some food. Yeah. So, Kay, did you have any, like, moments for you that were really like, wow, this is great? Uh, I mean, I, th I thought Kiosk was great. Um, I, I love drill music in Zion. Uh, and, and I even, I liked uh, on, on fo, on Fo's Nem. Yep. On Foe Nem, yeah. I, I, I just thought it was, like, really focused. I thought the restrictions, you know, for some artists, like, they need restrictions, you know what I mean? Like if you have, you, it's like, like you need a fence around your yard, I guess you could say is the best way to say it. You can get overwhelmed when you have so many options, so much free space. So when you put like a fence around your creativity, uh, I think it really helps someone like, like Lupe who has, like, I, I can't even imagine how his mind operates, but I'm guessing he's got a lot going on in there. Uh, 100%. Yeah. So I mean, I, you could you could definitely hear the focus. I thought the ten tracks was good, was just enough, and you know, there's there's a lot that a lot of rappers could learn from from this album. Yeah, no, it, it's I I I don't want to give the impression that I hate Lupe or ever hated Lupe. This album is such a good uh, representation of my relationship with Lupe, where like there'll be a verse where he'll annoy me, and then he'll follow it with a verse that I can't hear enough. That I'll just be like, oh, this is amazing. Like, the it's I have a cantankerous relationship with Lupe, but <laughs> like, uh, but I love how this album ends. I love Seattle into on phone. Yeah. I love how it ends. I love how it begins with the Lions Dean, with Aisha Jocko, and you know the Tagati. It's just it. It really feels like a place. Mm. So I'm 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 excited about it. And yeah, 
I would love for him to do this kind of thing. Uh, but like, like I would love for him to never make a long album again. Yeah. Well, if he makes a long album, it would be cool to see it maybe with some other people. You know, like imagine if Child Rebel Soldiers actually hits like and that gets to be all, not they're never going to bring that back. But like, never. I I just think about and this is the thing I ask myself is like, how do I take my skill set and possibly put it into like a larger context where I'm like 10 percent of something versus like being the main person and a guy like that? Obviously, he's a name, but how could he possibly fit into like a collective or kind of like group effort? And I, I think for people like him and myself, that's sort of a final frontier in that moment is can you kind of lock in with other people for that fleeting moment where everyone's on the same page and you're able to, to really create something gorgeous and, and from a shared energy and from a shared headspace. And, you know, it's really fucking hard to do as someone who's like tried to get musicians to play his music, you know, that they have no emotional attachment to that's purely mercenary. It's hard. So like, I can only, you know, it's, it's, I can only imagine how much harder it would be this, to like, yeah. this idea is kind of like a, like a traveling Wilburys, but like, yes. uh, Lupe minded people. So like in my, my contributions, I would say Lupe, J Electronica, I'd like preservation along for the ride. And I think, I think that would be, that would be a fun deal. Who else do you think would be for this? Yasin Bey? Do you want to throw? Like, who do you, who do you want to yeah. Yasin would be cool. I think I I would love if Lupe would get down with some of my producer homies. I think Fest Grandiose is like the best kept secret in Chicago. And if Lupe was able to link with him for something, I think they could do something really cool and weird. And I think that's kind of generally how I feel about every project we're going to talk about today. Because right. I think from like a textured standpoint, I think everyone could have gone weirder and and could have gone a little more psychedelic i mean again i'm literally coming off of making a psychedelic hip-hop album so that's very much where, where i'm looking right. and where i'm thinking i i don't want clean um i i don't I, I want i want you know ripples off the body kind of thing um and i think you know uh, look you gotta you gotta crawl before you run and especially in this moment of rebirth and kind of rejuvenation it's like yo for the next one you know how do how, how who do i gotta call to make that happen because you know hmm. I, I think i'm with you yeah so you know i i think it uh the a great a great reason why i bring up fest do you know kahari lemuel no oh uh kari no yeah, yeah so he he's he's got to be one of the most talented people I've ever met. Like period. We did a show. Do you know BBU bin Laden blown up or black, brown and ugly. The, the shadow and dance no more group from Chicago. Okay. Yeah. 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 They, they had like, yeah, they, they, they're my, they're my friends. I remember I did the release show for Epic from BBU, like I think eight years ago, nine years ago. And he oh. had Kahari come and play. Kahari literally pulled up in an HVAC outfit and then hits play on his laptop. And it's like, part operetta meets musical and and and, none, and i'm not and none of that was bad like it was like he's just he's just singing like rock of ages like really soulful shit and you know and then i you know we ended up meeting for a little bit and i found out he ended up getting asked to do a whole bunch of things with certain people and and you know i think he's he's more kind of on his own wave but i saw him perform with fess a few weeks ago um when they opened for isaiah collier and it was it was this gorgeous thing because Fest is doing more stuff with like drum machines and like modular synths and stuff like that. And then Kahari pulls up with a cello 
and they hadn't done a, a lick of rehearsing, but they just pull up and do. So I think Kahari Lemuel and Fest Grandiose and then a cast built around that for a Lupe would be the coolest thing ever. And especially Let's if Lupe were to pick up an instrument as well to kind of like, because that, that's the one question I ask, but if somebody doesn't play an instrument, what do I do with myself in the moments where the band's doing its thing? You know, like, should I get a triangle? Should I get a tambourine? I don't fucking yeah. know. Probably not. But, you know, I want to figure out a way to interact with the music in my way. So maybe maybe there's a way he could do that, too. Hell, maybe he's the one messing around with, with the visualizer because, you know, there's all sorts of, like, ways you can set up uh, drum pads Love to trigger it. visualizers and stuff. Um, so, so, yeah, that, that would be my pick. That's awesome. So, uh, Kay, let's talk about an album that I think I think me and Rich would probably agree needs to push weirder uh, is Forest in the City by Umi. You listen to sure. this? Yeah. So like, and correct me if I'm wrong or, or I'm out of touch here, but like there's parts that, and maybe I put this on the docket because I didn't know how I felt about it. Um, and I wanted to like sit with it for a bit. But mm. I think where I ended up was there's parts of this album where I'm like, that's Umi. That's really some Umi shit. Agreed. Parts of this album where I'm like, is that an Ella May song? Oh, Ella May. Yes. I I think, you know, for me, when I hear the, uh, like when I hear a guitar start out on an R&B track, like it just really gives me cringe vibes now. And I, I don't know what it is. Like, it just, maybe I've heard it too much, like the guitar opening for RB track, but it's just not, it makes me wary. The gentle strumming? The gentle strumming of the yeah. guitar? Because to... I already know what they're going for. I already know where this is going. And I'm like, oh, okay. And there were there were several tracks. There were several tracks on this, this album that started with that. Uh... And so I kind of, it was just kind of, okay, long story short, I, it's just, it was just very uneven to me. But as you said, there were some high points, but there were some points where it was just kind of blocked to me. Yep. What, Rich, where would you, on this album, I think there's 14 songs, 15 songs, 15 songs. What, what would you say, would you point out, like, this is what you did right and you should grow with? Um, honestly, I thought that I like the back half of the album better than the first half. I thought it was way more dynamic in terms of like what she was doing sonically or what her and her producers were doing. I don't know who produced the album. Was it self-produced or is there, are there other people involved? Good Sorry. Um, yeah, I, either way, the choices that were made ultimately, I think I think it's a shame that those songs are in the back half because, you know, I as someone maybe casually listening, I don't know if I would have made it that far, honestly. Because I think, yeah, there's a lot of predictability in a lot of respects. Yeah. And I think um, great voice. Love the voice. Beautiful I think, voice. You know, the the things that were frustrating to me is like, especially with, like, it's funny you mentioned the guitar because like there are multiple songs with guitar. And, I, I you know, if you're going to do that, where's the wrinkle? Where's the surprise of that moment? And is that a layering of a second guitar? Are you adding effects to it? I mean, there, there are tools with which to make this more unique because otherwise I think, unfortunately, and I'm going to sound like, I don't mean to sound like a dick, but it sort of was cookie cutter for me in the offing. Um, and then mm-hmm. as it opened up, I think I saw glimpses of what could be. And, you know, I think that's, 
that's I guess why I would why I would definitely you know keep checking stuff out. I, I think the other thing that that is is a problem for me in this moment is like I, I feel like I I know recently I I I was listening to Arlo Parks and I just loved what what she did with her album. Not totally totally different vibes, totally different vocalist. But I think I know what kind of vein I'm more looking for. I think my my introduction to Arlo Parks was through a remix from unknown mortal orchestra i don't know if you're familiar with him yep but like a guy like him you know him and like the you know he's he's great because his productions like um super great bake break beats i could rap to every single one of his songs but meanwhile he's got these like sugary psychedelic pop elements to it that just you know hook into you and you don't want to let go of you and i think you know linking with someone like that who i think can can build more surprise and build more kind of i guess like moment interior moments within a record i think would would be great um you know or like a tame impala i don't know just just to name a couple of people where I, that i think are really good at creating dreamier things because i think you know especially when i think you know forest in the city or whatever I'm, I'm kind of expecting i'm expecting something i think a bit more enchanted and or enchanting and yeah um, i think there's definitely things to recommend obviously very talented and and obviously i am not the target audience for this so me not necessarily having this resonate with me i'm not surprised by that but but since i'm being asked that yeah that i think i think that second half really has a lot more to say and to show for who she is and what she can do and i I think it's a shame that they threw it on the back half of it like almost like we're gonna hide this i'm like right right why hide this when you could show this earlier and then I think some would be more likely to get through the whole thing. And I know you said you had like an alternate track list, right? No, that that's that is for our next album. Oh, oh, sorry. That is my for fault. Duke Deuce. My, my, my fault. Okay. My Duke Deuce. Which, which I, which I, you know, I, I, you know, yeah, I, I guess I, I restructured say, the Duke Deuce. Yeah, I, I would agree with that too. <laughs> so, but this, but this one's pretty clear cut, right? Like, it's it's easy to workshop this. The problem is, say I'm your love sounds like a song anybody could do yeah yeah it's a good song but like it's it's not your song right, right. It's not you know that's kind of the code that rihanna had to crack like these have to be my songs you can't just be good right? mm. you have to think about me when you hear it you can't come out of a bin signatures yeah right. yeah and, and so in terms of signatures, you know, 100 days. Wish that I could. Like, these are album, these are songs where, like, all of a sudden the drums kick in. And it's like, yeah. ooh, okay. The and- energy, I mean, I, I think with her, you know, the contradiction when, when, when the tracks, so for me, my, my favorites were Too Late and Everything Will Be All Right. Uh, and I think of everything will be all right in particular because I think when there's energy in the track, and I guess the energy would be drums in your case, it does. It's it, there's like contradiction, and it there's there create there's an attention there's a tension with her vocals that's like really intriguing uh, in a way that I think she should explore in the future. Um, yeah. Totally. Because like other than that, it's all very like sleepy time music to me to put it bluntly real real it's real talk and it's a real problem in r&b sleepy time music is a real problem in r&b because people are like they want to evoke kind of a d'angelo you know maxwell feeling 
And what they end up doing is making the same kind of song over and over again. Yeah, that that repetitive nature really stuck with me with this one where I I I just this kind of an experiment. I like would fast forward a little bit to see if anything had changed. There was no James, surprises to be yeah. had. It was like no, no. I didn't I I, I get the melody line. I, you know, not to, not to, you know, uh, discredit the lyricism or anything like that. I just, I, I needed to see if there was any surprises hidden in there. And it, you know, it's just like, okay, like this is, you know, this is what it is. It's not doing more, more than what it is in that way. So, oh, by the way, Rich, I want to answer your question from earlier. Oh, Who sorry. produced this? Uh, everyone produced this. Everybody produced it. Everyone. Matt Keen, V Ron. Logic's mind, my boy John, uh, the Fisticuffs, you know Nayat Nasaya, River Tim River Tiber, Yakob, like it's this is it took the whole world. Yeah, and Yakob is great too. If it's who I'm thinking of, it is. So I would love. My recommendation would be work with one producer and don't make a song until it scares you well to that to that one i i that that resonates deeply you know blankets is a record that kind of scared me and because it was just because i could see the abyss of what i was looking at and do i dare go for it or do i stay on the side of the pool and keep my you know put my feet in the water and that that's the extent so yeah i i i i agree i agree yeah i mean loudly. i like I think for R and B in particular debuts, you know, the there is a strong correlation between the artist and the album is as good as the artist and the producer relationship. Um, for the for those albums, so you're right. I think, you know, sticking with one producer or two who have like a strong vision and who see like who can see your voice see your your artistry in an objective sense would have been really helpful for her and it was you remember that line i think this is one of k's favorite moments in the hip-hop is when jay-z said i never had a great flow like buster rhymes uh but i i, I, I wasn't say i wasn't animated like say buster rhymes or makeup stuff in a whole bunch of lines but the real stuff you get when you break down my lines Add that to the fact. Well, yes. So the point is, Kay, what Jay and I've always, I've always kind of yelled back at Jay listening to it. So it's like, no, you don't get it. You had the advantage. People with animated, exciting flows, they get to skate on it. It's enough. Because it's enough, no one pushes them to go further. Mm-hmm. Jay spent years with people like me who were bored with it. And he he fought me. He was like, fuck you. I'm changing this shit. Mm. You know? I'm working with Rick Rock now. What? And like flipping shit on me. So that persistence came out of a perceived disadvantage, but it was really an advantage. So in this case, Umi's disadvantage is her voice with the strum of a light guitar is very pretty. <laughs> it's enough. But it's not enough to separate you from other people who have those skills. Right. 
I guess the question is, and I'm in the dark on this is, you know, obviously uh, people can develop their own fandoms kind of using various avenues. So I, I'm curious if, if she's someone who's like TikTok famous or like, you know, where, where her fan base comes from. Cause I guess in that moment to the question of is, is of it being enough, I know something I thought about when I was listening to this is like, is my issue with this that I know too much about other shit? If I was less informed, would I, you know, or if I was less curious about other music, would this be fine for me? And would I be into this? And, and I think for certain people, there are, there's definitely a vein in, in the world that is less inquisitive and, and is asking less questions of, and is looking for less out of the shit that they're listening to. So I, right. you know, I, I feel like part of, part of what I struggled with is like, am, am I being critical because I've just conditioned myself to be overly critical? And if I wasn't so predisposed, would this be a better listen for me? Or, or is this, I, I guess, yeah, again, to, you know, I know I'm not the target audience. The audience that appreciates this is already there, obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I, it's not like they're missing if I, you know, missing me if I'm not in the pack, but it does make me, me wonder, you know, are, are the things that we're looking for in terms of having stuff challenge us? I know that's what we want, but are we are we part of like a really niche group of people where that's the case? Or is, is this is this, you know, is this just meant to just be enjoyed and not thought about too much more deeply than that? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's up to her, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's certainly. up to her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I, I think of the two people that I thought of, like when I was comparing it, uh, was Janelle Kale. And her, and her work, and then actually Sade. Uh, and in terms of Sade, like Sade is, uh, for me, like Sade is kind of in that vein of, you know, trying to make that, that cool type of R&B and whatnot. But I think what, what worked for her more, and I think what Umi could do more is, she and this is kind of what Janae does as well is in, in interject more of her personality into the lyrics uh or into the sing because technically on on a technical level it, yes it's very pretty and it's aesthetically pleasing musically aesthetically pleasing to hear but there's not enough of her personality to create like a hook or intrigue so i Very think funny. if she injected some of that into it in her next project, that it, it would it would help her a little bit more. And I believe that Umi wants to get, yeah, because of the writing. If you actually listen to what she's saying, it's unique. It's a unique set of of things that she that, that are being discussed. Uh, it's just like the sounds are kind of bland, and I think if. If Umi was here and we were like, look, you're already good enough to be on generic title R&B playlist of 2022. You're already <laughs> And you're going to get paid. You good? I think Umi would be like, no. Not good. I think Umi wants to be defined, uh, better defined, and I think you have to seek out music that pushes you. Yeah. So, does that make sense, Rich? Definitely. So excited, excited for the next one, and because I listened to this one, I will listen to the next one. Whatever. Absolutely. Like Crunk Star. That's right, Duke Deuce. It's uh, I love this album. 
I love it so much, but it is like, I love it while explaining that it, it has issues. It is like the maybe the worst sequenced best album that I've heard. <laughs> I love it, but it is sequenced like a a madman in the grocery store with a shopping cart. Just just dumping things in. Uh, it, it, explain explain the importance of so we have context. Explain the importance of sequencing for you. I mean, this, it's, it, when you hear like Smoke Detective, right? You understand why these songs go into each other. Why <laughs> the disco song sequences into arguing, <laughs> you know? Like, you understand what the motifs are. There really aren't, the motif isn't there here. <laughs> And so the transitions are, they're not transitions. It feels like a data dump, but good data, but data that was dumped. Uh, so uh, I'm going to, I reordered this album, how I think it should be. I cut it down to 14 songs from 20. Yeah. Ridiculous. Uh, and for those at home trying to make their own Dano approved Duke Deuce experience, I can give you the order. Uh, and Kay, if you want to pull up the official track listing and look at what I've done, you can do that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've got it up. I do too. So, I'm going to start out with Open Up. I love Open Up. Track seven. Yep. You, you start out Open up, motherfucker, open up. That's that's a great... Why is that not the opener? Ridiculous. Number two, like, I was mad when I heard that Rico Nasty and Duke Deuce did a song together and it's track nine? Five. Five? Five? It's, no. Give me that number two. Go right... I need Rico Nasty immediately. That's a great song. Um, and then number three, I'm going to go because I think it really does start to give personality and texture. Blood, Sweat, and Tears. I really like Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Track 13. Lyrical, like, he really starts to explain where, what, where his energy comes from. Uh, track four, I'm going to go with Hell Nah. Yeah. That's track four. Track, okay, so that one, you know that one, right? And then uh, track five, we're going to start to change the tempo here. I get crunk, which I, I think is amazing. Like maybe my favorite song. Track nine. Uh, that's track nine on the original. Yep. I'm going five. And then six is Rage. We're kicking it right up after the I get crunk. Uh, and then Eleven. We shift into Running Out of Love, number seven. Track 18. Wow. This is like wow. Yep. We get then number eight title track, Crunk Stars, right in the middle. Uh, number nine, Money Bandana. Track ten. Track ten, I ain't worried about it. 
I enjoy. Then 11, Animosity with Little Yachty. 12, Flip the Switch. 13, Living Life. 14, I'm Alive Again. So we're taking out Encore. We're taking out From Now On. We're taking out WTF, Crowd Control, Control, DJ Toots Live, and just say that. I I generally agree with that. I low-key, I think this is just me showing my age and preference. I, I would have maybe gone track two with Flip the Switch, but I, I get wanting to get right into it with Rico. I just kind of feel like, you know, having the Juicy J co-sign early. I mean, look, putting it later, that's great. Fair. I, you know, fair. If, if it gets people to listen to it later in the album, fantastic. I, I know that that's, you know, a good a good trick. And I think given my my sense of this album after listening to it you know i appreciate that on one hand it's like like junior levels of homage in certain sense to the predecessors but he's very obviously trying to like make his own space in this in this uh, genre and in this form right. so like i i don't think it's it's not reverential to the point of just being like carbon copy you know no. and paste of of what's preceded him and not in any way but yeah so i, I know he probably probably the better call to have rico earlier than later but yeah just just me as a, a longer in the tooth listener you know Ju- juicy's gonna catch my eye a little bit more i'm with you and i i, I like there's too many great um uh, important cosigns on here to leave them around uh to leave them near the back half like that so but uh, Rich, did any of my cuts offend you? Are you are you missing any of those? Um, I think the the DJ uh, the DJ Toots live uh, transition. I think you know you need that. Maybe you open with that into into open up. Um, but no, okay. No, I, I don't I don't I don't feel offended. I I think the my my issue with this album, if anything, is again I think I think you're right to want to cut things down anyway, just because at a certain point it's repetitive and. Obviously, he very much knows the theme. He knows what his his marching orders are in terms of what he's going to do with this. I think a shorter experience versus a longer experience in this way is is definitely for the better, especially if the production isn't going to transition really away into anything other differently, other than with um, uh, I'm Alive Again, because that was kind of more like the slower kind of like kind of almost like little flippy kind of vibe to it even, you know, for like when little flip would have like a slower joint on like underground legend or something like that. So, you know, I, I appreciate wanting to end on that note for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the, I, I know the type of music <laughs> I get excited by coming out of Memphis and it's a bit more like in the vein of like Tommy Wright, the third, you know, eight ball MJG shit like that. And, yep. um, you know, that, that's just me. That's just to my taste. And, and I, I deeply appreciate, as I said, what I think he's trying to do with this, where he's, you know, he pays his respects to his predecessors, but in no way is that meant to serve as any sort of like, you know, putting him underneath the pedestal of someone else. No, he's trying to be Duke motherfucking deuce. And I think he pulls that off. And I, I think the, the thing that makes this such a fun listen is, you know, he's such a character. The way he uses his voice is like Ferg-esque in terms of the way he's willing to just scream. And, you know, right. I, I think the thing that made me saddest listening to this album is like, I it just made me really want to see this live and to go to a show and experience this sort of energy because like it's just not going to happen while i'm listening to it on my airpods at my storage unit you know what i mean mm. uh, yeah that, that is i'm not getting crunk at, at, at the extra space storage i'm 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 working <laughs> you know what i mean so I, I think you know a context of of what you're 
listening to is important. And I mean, it's great turn up music. I, I can imagine, you know, if I hear any of this stuff on the rare occasion where I do go out this summer, I'm going to be into it, you know, because the shit, the shit goes. He obviously has a good ear for what works well for him. I think just, you know, finding ways to mix it up a bit and cutting fat, I think would would do him well. Because, you know, I think if it's not a super complicated thought as to what we're getting here, you know what I mean? It's, it's we're not dealing with like a Lupe, you know, kind of thesis sort of thing. I mean, there is a thesis. It's just that he's a crunk star and he's going to show you and it's going to be crunk music to the core. And I think that's great. It's just that at a certain point, there's an overload to that. I think Lupe accomplished the same thing over 10 songs that he could have done in 14, um, you know, and, and, and I, you know, so. 100%. And I think that's why I would say, you can't have just say that and I ain't worried about it. Yeah, it's like you, you get one of those, right? And then you move on. Do you think that sort of decision maybe gets made, especially in terms of like what happens with streaming? Like I know like the yeah. Migos were overloading their albums with like all level of filler just for, you know, the play counts and just to kind of have more stuff for people to just like mindlessly yep. run up. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's, it's like... Uh like you take your chances like look i'm gonna give you 20 tracks you may like three of them you just got to go through the other 17 and find the three that you like uh so i think that's kind of the philosophy for a lot of the artists nowadays yeah that's the saddest part is this feels like a post album album Mm. where it's like duke deuce is like album whatever cohesion whatever this is about you put as much interesting stuff out there and you make people listen to all of it and they certify you platinum somehow you know uh from all Mm -hmm. that so it's you know that's that's the game it's the uh was that who's the like that was that that 300 label you don't talk was about that Meg, was that Meg's old label? Talking about Lear Cohen three hundred. Yeah, Lear Cohen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, three hundred has a bunch of people like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. This. Yeah, yeah. They, they 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 signed a bunch of you know, Shy Glizzy and and people like that who kind of do that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's cool, and 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 I'm not hating on it. I'm just saying, like, as you, as you grow older, you might want to make a real album album. You might get bored, right? And just be like, you know, what if it was perfect? You know, um, mm. and I think that might happen here because um, there's growth, right? There's growth as you go along, and I think, I think that's. But I was impressed. I was impressed how many different kinds of songs there are on here for a crunk album you know i mean it, it feels like a throwback in that sense because what, what what do you think a king kings kings of crunk was probably 20 songs when that came out right yeah so i mean it's a i guess it's a throwback in that sense you know in terms of just like we're throwing it all out there and you know that is what it is but you know i think uh i don't know I, I again I, I'm excited to listen to this album in the context of like having a couple beers with my friends and we're maybe out somewhere with people rubbing shoulders whenever we can do that. <laughs> right. Um yeah. you know, I, I think I think otherwise, um, 
if it's you know because I, I know I, I you know there's people that say you know there, there's x amount of types of music there's music to to walk to or to cook to or to drive to you know whatever whatever the fucking context people want to want to have for why they listen to music and i think like this is excellent party music and and i think he's proven that i mean he's interesting he sold himself as a character and as, as kind of an idea and in a way that i think will provide him the longevity he needs for sure um but yeah i i guess uh i guess not to not 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 to be repetitive i guess but i i, I guess in the same ways that, that i wish you know umi had taken some chances i'm curious what a chance looks like for him you know in terms of like what what does a weirder song look like for him because like you know i i think it's it's there you know and, and this is the moment where like I think in a previous era, somebody like the hood internet would have done some crazy remix where like they like they put like sexy boy over Duke Deuce or something and like <laughs> you know and people lose their minds. You know, I, I think I remember there was like one song with the dream that they they remixed with like a cut copy song. It's actually how I found out about cut copy and I was like, damn, this shit's this is a, this is like almost better than the actual dream song that it's from. And I think um in that in that way yeah i, I don't want to leave it to the chance of like a girl talk level remixer for him to do it i think he could do it naturally and i think you know it, it would it, you know in a lot of cases for artists it would be smart just because it would introduce people to you know different audiences to these other audiences that exist and maybe generates an even bigger audience you know what i mean where it's like you know, and, and, and it could initially come from a, a space of novelty but then could eventually evolve to a place of genuine appreciation and support um you know i i i i think um you know obviously we see mixed genre tours and stuff like that you know like you'll have like fucking run the jewels open for a lord or some right. shit like right. that which like good good great man great agent their agent deserves like all the all the fruit baskets for for pulling that one off um but yeah i i, I think in this case like I think there's there's folks kind of on the underground side of things that I think he'd he'd do well to at least, you know, pick up the rocks and, and see what's underneath and see what he could do. Because, you know, for me, there wasn't anything that was like a surprise. And I think that's, you know, much like with Umi, like I, I wasn't terribly surprised by this album. It was exactly what I knew I was going to get. It was executed very well. He's great. I, you know, I just I wonder what is there another room? Is there another level? Is there another space that exists where he could he could get weirder? Because if he can that'd be you know like I, I would love to see that i think i i think i have a pitch okay for him getting weird okay all right okay mm -hmm. so e40 has been around a long time right mm. e40 did songs of tupac and all that shit, right uh and in 2010 really changed his career in 2010, he released a sequence of albums called Revenue Retrieval. Okay, you should find the, the Wikipedia on this. He released a series of albums. The first one was Revenue Retrieving Day Shift. Then it was Revenue Retrieving Night Shift. And there was... And so that... And those you can see in those two covers what the theme is, right? And then in 2011, revenue retrieving overtime shift. And I believe in oh, also in 2011, 
revenue retrieving graveyard shit. So, and E40 makes E40 music, right? Like, it's not like, you know, it's, it, I love E40. He's one of my favorites ever, but it's variations on what he does. Mm -hmm. What he did with revenue retrieving was he created different flavors of E40. This is day shift, you know? He's yeah, got yeah. songs called Lightweight Jamming, you know? <laughs> to, to make an even worse comparison, it's like Nelly with sweat and suit. <laughs> you know? So maybe the next one is like uh, into the, you know, Crunk Star, Crunk Superstar. I don't know. How do you Crunk crunk Star XL? I don't know. Um, I, I, I see the vision. I, I see where you're mm -hmm. going with it. I, you know, I, I dig the conceit. It allows for... It, it, it almost reminds me of like all the different EPMD album titles, you know, just like, you know, back to business, still in business. Yeah, I mean, if he, if Duke Deuce announced, like, my next album is going to be called Crunk Block Party, and the one after that's going to be Crunk White Party, like, that's a fun deal, you know, like, he's got to create flavors for the sounds so they're different in some way. Crunk flamenco music. Love it. I mean, it could go global, hit the Latin market, make a mint. Yeah, I love him, it. Him, uh, yo, a Duke Deuce Bad Bunny song, I'd, I'd, I'd hit play. How fun is that? How fun is out. that? And you know what? Pitbull's out there. I, I don't. I, I, I have a deep hatred of Pitbull, so Pitbull's I mean, good for Pitbull's him if he ready. pulls it off. But you know, ready. Pitbull's ready for the Duke Deuce club. Pitbull wants to get crunk. My gosh, I remember when Pitbull was like an anti-Castro, like. Uh, you know, like political rapper, very yep. briefly, yep. uh, back in like 2003. <laughs> um, it was like, yeah, I bet, anyways, his evolution that's a whole that's a whole other episode you could I mean, do. Pitbull's got Pitbull. jams with Blake Shelton, he can work with Duke Deuce. It's not, <laughs> a, yeah, it's, it's not a strip. Well, not it's, it's, fun, it, it's funny you bring up the Blake Shelton thing because, like, there were certain I forget which song, but there was one song on here that, like, kind of was giving me like almost like country vibes, and it brought up one of my favorite Steve Earl quotes about modern day country music, basically saying it's rap music for white people that are scared of black people. And it just got me thinking about how many people like Blake Shelton have like taken this thing and kind of like made it their own, removed from any sort of like relationship to him. I mean, like like Blake Shelton saying, can I get a what, what, put it in my cup, cup. Like it's like literally jacking Jay. I hope Jay-Z got like a check or whoever helped, you know, write that song got a check for like the whatever interpolation that was. Right. Um, and then obviously making runs to cups. Like, do you think Blake Shelton sipping lean? Highly unlikely. Uh, um, yeah, it's highly unlikely. Yeah. You know, I, I'm curious what, I'm curious what, like, you know, you know what though? I, I, I know I needed to check out the book about him. I'm curious what DJ Screw did or could do with like country music because I know he was flipping all sorts of old school stuff. Who knows? Oh, DJ Screw would be the yeah, yeah. D I miss DJ. DJ. DJ Screw. I feel like could have been the the real connector between like country and hip hop in like yep. a healthy, not shitty way. Oh um, yeah, but yeah. R.I.P. Screw. No, we it's. Do you have anything else on this, Kay? Or are you or or have we covered the deuce? Uh I mean, to be honest, I wasn't a fan of it, but what I'll say is I think moving forward, because we'll focus on the positive. Moving forward, I think he could do a little bit of you know of, of world building. I, I think do a better job of world building. Like I think of greed. So when I think of Memphis, I mean, I, I obviously think of Three Six Mafia, but I also, I 
I think my point of reference would be Hustle and Flow, the Hustle and Flow soundtrack. Right. So I think of Hard Out Here for a Pimp and in particular, Whoop That Trick. And those are just, those those tracks are, are I don't know if they'd be considered crunk, but they're, synony- they're so synonymous with me- the Memphis sound. Because I think they give like a, or the Memphis rap scene, because I think they give a peek into what life is like in Memphis. So I, I think he'd be better served moving forward to give us, like, I've never been to Memphis. So when I hear your music, it should be a peek into life, what life is like in Memphis. That would be the draw for me. Like UGK, you know, Riding Dirty. I've never been to, well, I've been to Houston now, but before I'd heard that album, I'd never been to Houston. So that was like my peek into that region. Uh, So I think that would better serve him building the world a little bit better and giving us uh, glimpses of what his life is like in Memphis. And and you remember Isaiah Rashad, The House is Burning, right? Mm-hmm. He, Duke Deuce was on the lead single. Oh. Yeah. Was, and and I, guess, yeah. I guess in light of that feature, I, you know, I, I really, I dig the way that Isaiah Rashad's able to make hard shit that still has like a lot of different wrinkles and surprises and like shades of how it's presented. And I think like, not that I expected him to do the same thing, but I think he'd do well, you know, it'd be cool if, if he took more of a page. Cause yeah, to Kay's point, like, you know, where, where is kind of the world building other than it, it, it's, it can be one note in terms of the messaging, you know, whereas like if, you know, as we're all, humans are complicated is there is there more <laughs> is there is there another thing you can show other than you know being you no know, is there a downside to being a crunk star let's hear that song maybe you went too hard maybe you maybe you went too you got too crunk so what right. what, what does it sound like after you got a little too crunk and need to chill out you know it's, if he makes um, that song jim jones has to be on it <laughs> or or maybe devin the dude Ooh, i love i love that lineup I love yeah. that. Jim Jones, Stephen, the dude, and, and do we call it when Crunk goes too far? Yeah, yeah. I love it. So I just yeah, but Isaiah Rashad is so good at making the house is burning a world, right? And there's all kinds of interesting folks in Memphis, YG Tut, you know, that he could just lock in with. It's very inventive. Obviously, <laughs> Namir Blade is. Uh, Tennessee, I think Chattanooga, and and that I mean, that album is so inventive. I mean, Absolutely. How, while we're at it, Cities of Eve. I mean, right. Cities of Eve is in Memphis. I mean, not right. not you know, obviously you know people are gonna move how they move and work with who they want to, but I mean that that could be an interesting pairing. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, and I, I think that better serve like when I think of sudden music, like I even go to like Cash Money back in the late nineties. You know that that was a peak like back that back that thing up that was a peek into new orleans life and that's why it's so resonant i mean i was i was driving last week and i heard that on the radio mm-hmm. that's that song's over 20 years old and that they play that on the radio so that you know that's the vein i think that he would better serve uh he'd be better served going like giving us a glimpse of you know one world building and then two giving us a glimpse of life in 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 memphis that's why i took wtf off of the track listing because while it was fun and i liked it originally 
I feel like he's outgrown it. Mm. I feel like there's other songs on here that are better and more interesting. Uh, and I just can't wait to see the growth. Because uh, yeah. it's so unique. It's such a unique, he's the only person in this lane. Uh, so I'm rooting for him. Yeah. Yep. But let's uh, go recommendation corner. Okay. One of my favorite people that I discovered this year is a gentleman named Big Chico. Chico. You remember Big Chico? Yes. Dash. Yep. Blockberry White is the album from this year. Yes. We already talked about it. I went back, did some Duke Deuce research. I'm sorry, some Big Chico research. <laughs> 2016 has an album called Soul God. And it's fucking perfect. It's, it's amazing. Big Chico is just one of the most refined, cool southern cats out there doing this. It's, nobody's moving at this kind of slow pace anymore. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, with It's just thick as molasses uh, in terms of what's being delivered. So that's one recommendation. I'm also very excited. My pre-order is in for Mudslide, which is Small Professor and Vic Spencer. Oh, wow. That'd be cool. Yep. Small Pro and Philly meets Chicago. Small Pro, what up? Mild mild sauce on the cheesesteak. Oh, that's (laughs) it. That's it. So, and it, the songs are dope. Flea Lord is on it. Uh, yeah, there's just a lot of cool stuff, you know, uh, going on with that. I can't wait. Small Pro's been killing it this year. Uh, oh, okay. I got an advanced copy of the Wrecking Crew album, Sedale Threat. Oh, wow. And I listened to it today, and oh my fucking God. Now, <laughs> everybody who listens to it, Better know about basketball. This is the basketball hip hop album I've ever heard in my life. It's unbelievable. I'm intrigued now. There's Bill Walton audio clips on this. This is insane (laughs) what they're doing. This couldn't be if the only way this could be more basketball is if Woj was like introing it. But like, this is Castro's coming out party. As one of the five best rappers in the world. Uh, oh, okay. Castro's undeniable. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited for everybody to hear it. The other shout out, I want to do a Chicago shout out. And I told Kay about this, but I am reading Her Word is Bond by Psalm One. Uh, it's awesome, it's really good song. I, I actually need to go pick up my copy of that book. I, I pre-ordered it, and it's been ready for me for like a week. So I, I'm excited to dive in. It's Someone is so cool, and someone could have chosen to write this in a very, like, I'm going to dazzle you with my prose kind of way. Because, you know, definitely has that gear, but this is just very relatable and very conversational very human uh, it's beautiful hell yeah 
Yep. <clears throat> so I'm into that. And uh, yeah. So what, Rich, what are you bumping? What do you want people to be bumping? Uh, I mean, it's a Homer party on this end. Um, I've been super into Davis's Portraits project, the little nine minute joint nine minutes. he did with uh, with Joshua Virtue. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's been heavy rotation. Also in the Y camp, uh, Malky and his uh, partner Geo they released a project under the name Black Seinfeld uh, called Season One, and that album. I yeah I I'm I'm not kidding. Uh, the first time I threw that on, it was it was when I was in my 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 previous car, which didn't have like a way for me to connect my phone to the sound system. So I was essentially transistor radio, listening to things while driving around, and I I not kidding. I was fist pumping while driving, while listening to this because it was just like I don't know. It was life giving. I just I really dug how they did it. I, I just, yeah, everything about it was just so fresh and fun and they're, they're just such great people. So, you know, off bat from the same corner from the Y camp, I think, uh, you know, Davis and, and, and black Seinfeld are, are really special. Um, I mean, Def C is, is just, you know, the, the guy's hitting half court shots, you know, like he's Kevin Durant size, but he's, he's hitting like Steph. So, um, you know, it's, it's really inspiring to see and, and to, um, you know, I don't know, kind of watch in real time as someone who like is like his friend. <laughs> Collaboration um, with Boathouse doesn't feel fair. Well, I, I look, I, I left. Yeah, well, I guess I'm getting. Yeah, it, I may or may not have been in a studio with with both of them before I, I got on this interview. And you're right. It isn't fair. Um, So, yeah, I, I'm really I don't know. I I feel like I'm I'm loving that he's linked with closed sessions and that I think he's got the platform to really let people appreciate him for who he is without any compromise. And um, I think, I think for a lot of us, and I think this is about our, our generation of artists, you know, I think, I think there are so many trends that we lived through at a certain point, if you made it the other side, I think now a lot of us can actually be ourselves. Cause it's like, you know, I, I think more comfortability or, or confidence in that. So, you know, I think he's, he's just going to get crazier and crazier and crazier. Um, and then, yeah, I, I mean, aside from that, uh, I've been listening to a lot of Todd Rundgren. So if you've never listened to Todd Rundgren uh, and you want to listen to some weird seventies rock, that's like at yep. once pretty, but also kind of, you know, interesting lyrically, I I'd say he's great. He's great to listen to. I don't know. Listening to him kind of made me feel more at ease with, the sounds that are in my head not to say i'm a musical genius like him but it's like okay so other people are making things that that i'm kind of just thinking about or made things i'm already thinking about so that that's kind of reassuring in a way so now it's my job to just freak it harder uh yeah no that was the difference like i I heard your rmpp interview with with rohan it was great when he said see you all the time sounded like a beatles song to him i was like no i was like it sounds like those weird seventies guys. It Whoa. sounds like Harry Nielsen. Okay, so so he's right because we uh, the, with the vocal, the harmonizing. Yeah, I could hear that because I made a point to like kind of po- have those poke in. I think it's more. I was looking at more like Leonard Cohen, Tom Waits, kind of like I'm thinking like English drinking song. Yeah, but you know I'm not English, and we're singing about <laughs> going to New Orleans. Right. <laughs> um, yeah no but, those weird 70s like randy newman uh harry nielsen kind of people who just hit you with weird shit out of nowhere 
Yeah. Well, and that and that's the the weird thing is the Todd Rundgren part. I didn't, you know, I I was listening to that when the shit was done. So it was more kind of, you know, it's more more for for what's next for me. I think is, you know, mm-hmm. seeing seeing what what I'm vibing with and who I can I can learn from and borrow from and, you know, uh, stand who whose shoulders can I stand on today and then someone will stand on mine tomorrow, etc. So mm-hmm. if you're looking for a good oldie, I feel like he's great. Now I'm also just gonna recommend this. I'm I'm gonna go oldies because you know I feel like there's so much. It's new music if you've never heard it. So, uh, um. Oswad, uh, a new chapter of Dub. Uh, let me just make sure that that's that's the title of it. Um, but it's been that's been probably in some of my heaviest rotation ever. I, I just ever ever since I saw the movie Babylon. Um, uh, yeah, new new cha- a new chapter of Dub. Um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with the film Babylon, but it was banned. It was banned after being shown at cons because they they were like this is going to cause race riots in england because it, it dared to pre- present english people as racist shitheads um, i've heard of this and, i've heard of this yet yeah, yeah. yeah well so, so yeah so it, it basically got banned and then was like not publicly shown i don't think until like 2008 or something like that and mm-hmm. oswad or like the group that like was like the, the guys playing the sound system crew that's like the focal point of this of this movie so that led me to their music and then like uh this album specifically, I mean, I, I've I've driven around all sorts of different parts of the country this year while bumping that, and that's been been really nice. Um, and then la- last but not least, I know I'm probably I'm probably over my limit, but um, there's a producer from um, uh, from Nova Scotia called Jazz Ali, and he has a project called Buses Rebellion, and it's probably my favorite beat tape that I've heard this year. It's just like the freshest shit ever. Um, I don't know, man. There's like a golden quality to his production. Um, I don't know if it's just with the equipment he's using or whatever filters he's he's playing with on the back end, but um, it's like this. I sent it to Montana Max, and you know, Montana Max is is not one necessarily to be effusive with praise. And he hit me back being like, I just freestyled to this guy's tape for the last 20 minutes at home, which he, he like almost never says. So I'm like, oh, that's a big cosign if, if you know, some, someone who's tough to impress is like I and who doesn't honestly like rap publicly anymore is like I was rapping to myself for over 20 minutes. Like, you know, so give that a listen. Uh, inspiring awesome. music for sure. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Kay, what do you what do you got for the people? Uh, I'm, I'm just looking, I mean, nothing this week, but I'm looking forward to Brent Fias Wasteland uh, coming out oh, on Friday. Right. Uh, a lot of pressure fast. on it. So, that, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Good deal. Looking forward to Kyrie as a Laker? Is that, is that your thing? <laughs> Not so much. Is that, is that so going to happen? <laughs> I don't know. No, he needs to stay. He needs to stay. Unless unless Russ is going to net the Nets, which he probably would. would and and KD is staying. I want to see a KD Russ reunion. That would be lovely. KD Russ back together again. The yeah. uh, I appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for rocking with us. Uh, R.I.P. Fred the Godson. Mediocrity comes for all, no matter the size of the star, and I'm just trying to stop, feels like I'm falling through time, I'm at once at the front and behind the ball, working my way through, peace be with you, show kindness to all, show kindness to all, right down to you are, because of what you might do.